Good evening and welcome to Lost in Longbox. Uh, I got to tell you there, EK, I was actually a bit thrown to hear that theme music. <laughs> you guys were using the, the Paint the Sky for a while there, so when that started playing, I was like, wait a minute, I, I know that one, that's <laughs> the other one. Um, all right, so I'm Randall, um, got our, my two boys here with me, Thomas and Scott. Hello, Sorry, everyone. Madman. Sorry. Hello. You may smack me later on that one. Yeah, you can't reach you from here. Yeah. You're, far, mean, you're you, far enough you away. You probably chuck something. So, all right. So, first order of business, as <coughs> as always, as I hack up along, how's everybody's weekend and or Thanksgiving? Going pretty well. Anything in, uh, important to report? Anything went down? Or? I, I ate turkey. I ate turkey too. I, I have to. I had to get a new refrigerator. So there's that. Yeah. Well, it's <coughs> not really anything I want to discuss. After yeah. all, I mean, you know my whole fiasco with doing the floor downstairs, and then. The water softener leaked and had to take up half the floor downstairs and mm -hmm. dry it up and then redo the floor downstairs. All right, so uh, that's enough of my misery and everyone else's misery. <laughs> Let's uh, touch on a couple of the news items that came out uh, over the week since we were last year. Um, those of you who are watching Titans on the DC Universe, I believe Episode 8 is coming soon and they showed a preview. We get to see Donna Troy in action. For me, I actually kind of really dug Donna Troy. She was always one of the characters that I really liked, even as Wonder Girl, and then later on as Troya, and then back as Wonder Girl again. And she even had that brief stint there with um, the Dark Stars, mm -hmm. short-lived uh, Green Lantern-type group from DC. So for me, that's always been an interesting character. So I might have to start watching Titans. It sounds like the show is a lot better than people are giving credit for. From what I've heard, they're supposed to have all the episodes out by sometime in early December. Okay. And you, of course, get a week's free trial when you sign up for it. So right. it's probably worth your time to wait to see when that last episode for season one is going to come out and then sign up for the free trial so you can you know, check them all out for free before you actually commit to paying. Yeah. Well, um, actually, I unfortunately, I have a source where I'm not going to have to do that, but I won't mention that source. But he knows who he is. He's probably listening sometime later in the week. Um, another one that uh, looks really exciting, CW dropped their first trailer for their Arrowverse crossover starting December 9th called, and this is called Elseworlds. Looks really good. Um, the things that I'm really looking forward to in this one is we got to see the monitor in it. And if you were watching the old John Wesley ship flash way back in the nineties, we get to see the return of the John Wesley ship flash. So that's going to be pretty awesome. That's a good deal. I heard rumor that they're talking about bringing in uh, Smallville characters as well for the, for the Elseworlds. Uh, no, no. What what you heard is, and it's and it's funny that you brought that up because I read this and considered it a non-story. Stephen Amell, who I will give him his props, is usually one of the driving forces for getting certain people over to the CW. Mm -hmm. He's actually the reason that we now have Constantine after his show was cut from NBC, uh, because now he has made some appearances over on Legends of Tomorrow, and I think he's actually a season regular now. I'm I'm behind. I haven't watched a new season. But he recently tweeted a picture of him meeting with Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling. Ah. And the tweet was pretty excited for this one. So everybody lost their mind because they thought that meant, oh, God, he's working on getting the Smallville characters over. Not necessarily. If you look at the picture, there's bottles of wine all over the table, and there's the company logo for Knocking Point on the back wall, which is his celebrity wine company. Uh -huh. So more than likely, what he's excited about is entering into a partnership for some special wines with Rosenberg and, and uh, 
Rosenbaum, sorry, Rosenbaum and Welling, not that they're actually coming over to the CW. Unless that whole picture is a red herring and we're going to get surprised next year. Oh, you read a lot into that picture. That's, that's what I'm saying. Well, no, everybody else is reading a lot into it. What I'm saying so is... So you're he, reading what everybody else read into that what, picture. What I'm reading into the picture is wow. that he's actually doing something with his wine company. It's pretty obvious in the picture. Everyone loves wine. I don't hate wine. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan either, but my wife loves it. <laughs> another thing, um, and I, I just actually love this one. Ryan Reynolds took another little jab at Hugh Jackman uh, about not doing a Deadpool Wolverine movie because he actually tweeted, I see at real Hugh Jackman is no longer allergic to shellfish. <laughs> Selfish. So I don't know what that means, but it's basically him taking a jab at Wolverine, like, come on, or Hugh Jackman, come on, quit being selfish and do the movie. Um, ironically, just today, the Today Show announced that Hugh Jackman is going to be a guest this Thursday. So anyone listening out there right now, mark your calendar. Hugh Jackman's going to be on the Today Show Thursday. And they said he's going to have a major announcement on Thursday morning. I will lay bets. It's not Deadpool Wolverine. What I'm going to bet it is, he's either going to be announcing Greatest Showman 2 or that Greatest Showman is going to go on Broadway. Just because that's been the huge success for him this year, and I, a lot of people have said it, it should be a Broadway show. So I'm thinking it's going to be sequel or the announcement of the Broadway production. If it is Wolverine Deadpool, I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I don't think that's it. And everyone who's chomping at the bit for it are probably going to be really upset when that's not the announcement. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that's probably that you're probably right that that's not going to be our announcement on that um you know he said that he's done with the character so right i guess you know if you back the money truck up you know anything's possible but right. I, I i don't think that we're going to see that back the money truck up uh let's see what else oh yes sony just recently announced two unnamed marvel projects for 2020 <clears throat> let's noodle this out let's see one of them's probably going to be venom sequel I would imagine. I think they're going to be hard-pressed <laughs> not to do it after how well it performed at and, the box office. Well, you know, it's now past Wonder Woman and Spider-Woman, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, domestic or uh, internationally for profits. Oh, now. wow. Yes. It's, so it's doing still doing rather well. But the other unnamed one I'm thinking is going to be hmm, maybe the sequel already to Spider-Man Far From Home or maybe the Carnage movie since everyone thinks they're going to have to be one of those two. Um, I hope not. Yeah, let's, yeah. I, I think we'd rather have the Spider-Man. I, I can there. see them already deciding they're going to do a Venom sequel, but I really don't get where they're going to push either the next Spider-Man movie when they don't know anything about how Far From Home's going to do. So, well. Well, I mean, keep in mind, sometimes studios will announce a sequel before it even came out. Remember, the last Fantastic Four movie had a sequel announced before it even hit the box office. <laughs> and they, we saw how long that lasted, And they too. backed that out really yeah, quick. Yeah, they backed out that really quick. Um, so, also, the looks like the promotion-slash-hype train for Aquaman is starting early. They uh, just announced, for those of you who are paying attention and looking forward to Aquaman, I know I am, Jason Momoa is going to be hosting SNL on December 8th. Oh. So a good couple of weeks before the movie comes out. So Let's hope there's an Aquaman skit in there I, I would be willing to bet the farm, if I had a farm, that there's going to be probably an Aquaman or Justice League skit on SNL. So Yeah, there almost has to be. Set your diver for 
Saturday, December 8th for SNL. Also, and this literally, I just read this about an hour before I came out here. Early reviews are starting to come in on Aquaman, and they're all looking good. Good. And I mean they're all looking good. When I was reading the early reviews for Justice League, there were some that said it works in some areas, it doesn't work in other areas. It was kind of mixed reviews. All the ones I was reading were just like, this movie is awesome. This movie is great. Someone even compared it to a Marvel Phase One movie. Oh wow! Which was huge praise. I yeah. just, I wish I'd written it down. Dagnab it all. So that looks like that's going to be pretty good. Um, also, while I'm thinking about it, I want to make sure I send out a shout out um, to a fantastic artist out there, Monte Michael Moore. The guy does some fantastic fantasy comic art and also some great wildlife Native American art. Friend of the longest, Lost in the Long Box here. He's fantastic. You want to check him out. I put his links on the Lost in the Long Box Facebook, but they also are at www.mavarts.com. That's M-A-V-A-R-T-Arts.com. That's where you can see his fantasy and comic-related artwork. And then on www.theartofmontemore.com. So that's artofmontemore.com is where you can see his wildlife and Native American art. Fantastic stuff. This guy is so great. I have a blank Betty Page number one variant that I would love to have him do a cover for, but I I can't afford it right now. I'm actually, Thomas, that's the the item that I'm looking to, was thinking about selling my Venom first appearance, my Amazing Spider-Man 300 to fund that cover. So... Check out his artwork. Let him know that you heard of Lost in a Long Box. Drop him a line there. Let him know what you think. And Madman's got a special announcement for us as well over there. Yeah, we uh, we actually have a sponsor now. So um, let's get right into it. Uh, FXVG Public Radio and Lost in a Long Box is sponsored by Danny's Pizza and Subs, Lee's Hill. Uh, it's in Lee's Hill area. Here in FXPG it has a limited delivery area, so if you're listening from Australia, don't don't think we're gonna you're gonna get a delivery. You know, forget it. Um, that's located at 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue in the Lee's Hill Shopping Center. Um, they're open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 12 to 8 p.m. <coughs> now I can go on and on about these their specialty pizzas. I mean, I love, I mean, they got spinach Alfredo is awesome. The white pizza is awesome. Uh, Greek pizza, excellent. Margarita, bacon cheeseburger pizza. They have barbecue. It's a different type of margarita. I know what you're talking about, actually. They do bacon cheeseburger pizzas. They do gyro pizza. Is it gyro? Gyro? Hero. Euro? Yeah, I always called it gyro, so yeah. I don't know. Anyway, they Maybe have. I'm wrong. Yeah, anyway, they have those. The, the the lamb things. You can get the regular gyro too, and not just it's just <laughs> Do they have the Hawaiian pizza? Because I do Absolute, love me some pineapple on my pizza. Absolutely. Oh, I am kicking you I, out of this room. Pineapple I, yeah. does not belong on a pizza. I will argue with you too that fruit has no business on a pizza, but they do have a margarita pizza and they do have um a Hawaiian pizza. There's two types of people in this world, Randy. People that eat pineapple on their pizza and people that are wrong. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? You are in the vast minority of people who like pineapple. In their... Don't even stand up, Eck. You are... <laughs> oh, I, I, I was going to bring up anchovies, but um, that, would, that would seem to be a more heated argument, in my opinion. Maybe we could talk about that. Actually, next I don't like week, the anchovies. Uh, but actually, you know, I do love the story. You know, we're going to digress for just a moment, listeners, because I want Madman to no. tell the story no. about the pizza he nope. tried to order, nope. and they actually tried nope. to find the components nope. for it. <laughs> nope. Nope. 
That story should not be told. I deleted it from it. That should not be told. And you know why. Think about it. You know why. I'll find the story and post it on the page, no. guys. Anyway, you can, uh, like I said, they ma- I mentioned their hours, so they're, they might be closing here soon. Uh, in like two hours. Um, you can dial 898-5008 and place your delivery or pickup order. Um, and do us a favor and be sure to tell them that FXBG Public Radio and Lost in the Logbox sent you. Check them out. They got so many good things. They got these paninis, dude. They got paninis. I love paninis. Yeah, they do paninis. They got gyros, heroes, whatever. All right. You know, they got Take manicotti. The from Mad Men. He's obviously I'm hungry. hungry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Danny's Pizzas and Subs, again, if you are local here in the Fredericksburg area, check them out. I think I actually have eaten there once or twice, to be honest with you. Um, I will probably check them out myself. All right. So, <clears throat> our subject tonight. You know, when I first started reading comics, one of the things that used to be, always be awesome when you saw it on the rack was when one of the heroes was teaming up with somebody else. Remember when you saw like a Brave and a Bold with Batman and Superman? Oh, yeah. Or Batman or, or someone you wouldn't expect, like Batman and the Atom mm. or Batman and Green Lantern. You'd be like, wow, and you'd pick it up. Oh, like, yeah. This is cool. And same thing with Marvel. The two best books Marvel ever, ever put out was Marvel 2-in-1 and Marvel Team-Up. Simply because they teamed up Spider-Man and the Thing with those heroes that you just wouldn't ever expect to see them team up with. Right. I, I remember Marvel 2-in-1, there was a Thing and She-Hulk. How freaking awesome is that? Well, and a lot of them were obscure characters, too, that they right. were trying to you know, get a little get more, more exposure. Yeah. Yeah. So keep it in that same venue, guys. We're going to do crossovers, but we're going to get a little interesting. We're not doing crossovers within the same company. We're going to do crossovers with those characters who are of the opposite company or different companies that you look at the book and you go, how in the hell did this happen? So I'm going to have Thomas kick off. Well, the first one I have goes back to the golden age of comics, and we see this in All-Star Comics number three, when National Comics' Dr. Fate, Our Man, The Spectre, and The Sandman join with all-American publications Adam, Flash, Green Lantern, and Hawkman to form the Justice Society of America. I, when I was doing my research for this, I had no idea that those came from two different companies. Now, later they did merge as part of, you know, becoming DC Comics. But initially, they were two different companies. Right. And, and, and so many people don't know that the JSA did not start as a DC property. It was a merger of two companies. Right. I had no idea. I, this, this was huge news to me. So this is a, the, the first official crossover between two companies right here. Um, not a comic I've read on account that I certainly can't afford it. I mean, even right. in, I mean, uh, even in terrible shape, this is probably going to cost me more than what I make in a year. So, but definitely a huge part of uh, of comic book history right here. You know, the the two companies coming together as early as you know 1940, 1940 winter 4041. So this is huge. Plus, it's JSA is the first super two team, right? Oh yeah, the first, oh, yeah. first super team, and this you know, and there, there's been many of uh, you know many a comic about the JSA written into the modern age. I mean, it was always one of my favorites. I, yeah, I like the JSA. Yeah, I love loved me the older the older heroes, the Alan Scotts, the Jay Garricks, right. you know, of, of and of uh, the, uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman secretary who was literally referred to as a secretary in right. the early yeah. issues. It, it's amazing how things have changed. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have one this this incredibly powerful hero who's probably one of the strongest, if not the strongest, of the bunch, and she's, she's the, the bookkeeper. She's the bookkeeper because she's a woman. <laughs> So yeah, that wouldn't happen today with right. good reason. So 
you got to consider the times. Yeah, you got to consider the times. It's like that issue of the the first Green Lantern where they point out that Carol Ferris is not Hal Jordan's boss, but she's just kind of filling in for her dad. Yeah, they put in there some to the extent I don't know if this is the right words. He's not actually working for a woman, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that doesn't age well at all. No, it does not. So yeah, but yeah, this is like I said, this was was huge. I I did not know this, and I was kind of taken aback by it. So I was. Pretty impressed by it. It'll be on the list of comics to buy one day when I'm rich and famous. I was going to say, um, next year when we revisit our um, books that, that you guys need to come to hell down on, i.e. also books you're passing up, we need to make sure we add that to buy in any condition list. Oh, All-Star Comics 3? Oh, yeah. If you can afford a copy of All-Star Comics 3. Actually, I think we did mention All-Star Comics 3 in any condition. I, I think they did. Because 3 was first essay and 8 was first Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, if you can find this in an affordable copy, which you're probably not going to do. But if you can, yeah, you definitely buy it. Well, let's be honest. Anyone who can afford a copy of that is probably not listening to our show. Probably not. <laughs> if you are, I am up for if adoption. If you are, thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, yeah follow us on Twitter. And yeah, follow yeah. us. Follow up on Twitter and, uh, you know, definitely uh, send donations. You yeah, know, we'll, go. Come, we'll come up with a Patreon page real quick. Lost like, at the long box at gmail.com. Uh, we can just let you know how you can donate or, to us if you uh, can afford that and, and uh, yeah, wish we'll, to send we'll, us some donations. We'll slap together PayPal Like, account like account. Knox no said doubt. in the first Batman movie, can I have a grant? Uh, Madman, what <laughs> you got there? Uh, I wanted to start with the, the, the crappiest of the ones that I got, the crossovers that I got, and that's uh, the Spawn Batman crossover uh, by Frank Miller and Todd McFarlane. The only thing crappy about it was that it was Spawn. Oh, sorry. Shots fired. <laughs> That's right. Across the bow. I think Todd McFarlane had a bit to do with that as well. <laughs> because uh, Frank Miller, he he can, he doesn't get away scot-free either. Because no, the way he, he writes Batman sometimes, it really irritates yes. me. You know, and I, I don't like Spawn, never like Spawn. And Spawn is, everything in, that Spawn does in this book explains why I don't like Spawn. Because he's just a whiny little little girl, and you know he's ex-military. I understand that, but he you don't, it, you know they don't teach soldiers how nukes work. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't no. know if you read this, but th there was one thing that <laughs> Years really ago, yeah. yeah really irritated me about that. It's like yeah, you know, I was in the army. They teach us everything about how military works. It's like no, mm -hmm. you no, can't no. you can't take a guy from the army, put him on a ship, expect him to fire, you know, gun deck guns at anybody. And yeah, maybe they could figure that out. Yeah, I I did read this back in 1994 when it was first it published. Came out, yeah. um, I was 17, and I was actually a span of a uh, fan, a little, 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 a fan of Spawn at the time. So Lisa I don't nerd cred. Yeah, but yeah, I I was 17. <laughs> 17. Hey, 17. I, I like Night Thrasher too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was a big fan <laughs> of Night Thrasher. New Warriors ruled, baby. <laughs> New Warriors ruled. And Darkhawk. God. I'm yes, Darkhawk. Darkhawk is How are my friends with you? I don't get the great Darkhawk. <laughs> the great right, so Darkhawk. Moving on, we're just going to crap go right that past thing. That. Go, just roll right over that. I'm going to bring up one, um, and this one I was one of my favorites when it came out. In fact, I need to go find another copy of it because I realize that sadly I don't have one anymore. Uh, but it is the great. Uncanny X-Men and the New Teen Titans. Oh, this is one that I've always wanted. This is I a, never never got a hold of, but this it is, one is a always fantastic wanted. book. So, a little history for you listeners: the well, the whole reason the New Teen Titans came about was in the '80s. The hot property in comics was Uncanny X-Men. It was the number one book at Marvel, and DC said, "Well, we need to get a teen book like that. That's you know." supposed teenagers and, and is younger than Justice League or Avengers. So we need to get into that genre as well. Right. So 
they got Marv Wolpen and George Perez, who were both ironically at Marvel yeah. at the time, yeah. <laughs> and said, we want you to come over here. We want a book like X-Men. And they said, okay, well, what do you want to do? And he says, well, we're going to resurrect uh, Teen Titans. And the room grew silent. <laughs> and they're like, didn't you guys do that book already, like in the 60s, early 70s? And wasn't it cut after 50 some issues? And like, yeah, but we're going to revamp it and make it new. And and so we want to, you know, make it like the, the X-Men. So Marv Wolpen and George Perez came over, but there was conditions attached to it. Long story short, it became DC's version of X-Men. And since it got immensely popular, then, of course, the next logical step was let's combine these two teams. And it ended up being a fantastic story. The thing that's really ironic about it is I believe it was Chris Claremont who wrote it. Mm-hmm. But it was published by Marvel and DC, but... The only DC creative control was the editor who oversaw the story. It was written and illustrated by the Marvel guys. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it was written by Chris Claremont. Penciler was Walt Simonson. Right. Anchor Terry Austin. Letterer Tom Orskowski. Right. And colorist Glennis Ween. Right. So the really great thing about the story is Darkseid, the almighty Darkseid, decides that he needs to get the source, the whole power that is supposedly the existence of, you know, magic of all existence. And the thing that's really great, this is the first time we see the source wall actually portrayed as a physical barrier wall with all the faces of all the entities over the eons that have tried to break it. Right. Something that has stuck with DC from that day, day on, which was actually recently in the whole Dark Knight Metal story and has been broken and the source is now out. But this is where we actually first see the source wall, which I didn't know that. I, I went and looked that up the other day like, oh, damn, I didn't know that. But it's a great uh, storyline. He actually believes that part of getting to the source, Darkseid does, is that I think I might need to resurrect the Phoenix entity and use her powers as part of my source. So this actually ends up teaming up Darkseid and Dark Phoenix together. That's <laughs> kind of awesome. Yeah, it's that just, sounds it is, brutal. <laughs> I mean, it is a fantastic story. Um, I really need to get me another copy of it. Like I said, I bought it when it first came out, and it was fantastic. Um, it's what One of the parts that's really great in this is, remember... Beast Boy slash Changeling, Gar Logan, is the obvious 15-year-old, 16-year-old in the Teen Titans, even though the rest of them are all, like, in their 20s, yeah. they're, they're still named teens. Whereas for the X-Men side, it's Kitty Pride, who's obviously 15 or 16, but then she supposedly is having this love affair, is interested in Peter Rasputin, who we won't even discuss the whole legal ramifications going on behind that little relationship. He's Russian. But there's a great moment where you see the two of them bonding as teenagers, and Psy- Colossus is kind of like, well, why is Kitty falling for the, the changeling man? I thought you know, her and I had something going. <laughs> but there's a great thing where they're both sitting in the Morbius chair, and one of them makes a comment about, yeah, I just wish we were back home, and the chair winks out. <laughs> and everybody's like, Kitty, Gar, where did you go? And the next panel, it pops back in, and they're both hugging each other like, we didn't mean it, we didn't mean it, we're sorry, we're sorry. <laughs> Yeah, this is one I've wanted for a long time. So this is the uh, you know always on the list of things I'm looking out for. I, I think when I go pick up my books um, this Wednesday, I'm going to look in the back issue bin and see if that's in there. Um, now here's what's really awesome about this too. Um, well, kind of awesome, depending on how you look at it, because of the success of this book, there was originally supposed to be an Uncanny X-Men Teen Titans two. Mm-hmm. So there was going to be a follow up. However. Dun, 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 dun. They were also working on the Avengers Justice League team up. And due to 
conflicts between the two editorial companies or the two editorial squabbling for DC and Marvel, that didn't fall through. And George Perez, who was doing art for that book, in fact, had already done several pages of it, which may have actually shown up in one of our other books on our list tonight. I'm not sure. I'd have to Google that. He actually gets frustrated and leaves that project, and Teen Titans X-Men sequel gets dumped. Yeah, it says here that the, crea- the creative team was going to be Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Right. So, yeah, we were really cheated here. Well, now, yeah. here's what's really great. This is the part that just makes you go, oh, man. Chris Claremont, in order to make sure that Marv Wolfman was fully informed, told Marv Wolfman. Now, think how revolutionary this is. The writer for Marvel is telling the writer for DC what's going to happen in the X-Men over the next few months so that he can make sure it stays relevant in the follow-up book. You just don't do that anymore. No. I mean, that's no. you're basically giving away company secrets yeah, right plot there. Lines, yeah. So, so yeah, what could have been, right? Yeah, I know Claremont and Simonson. I'm sure that was, you know, a very pretty book. I mean, looking at the, uh, looking yeah, at the yeah. cover here, this this looks sweet. But yeah. I, mean, I, I, yeah, I really wish I had not known that there was going to be a follow up by Wolfman and Perez because now I yeah. do feel cheated. I did, yeah. yeah, I didn't need to do that. Yeah, I, I do feel cheated that, yeah, when that, I, that, that we never got that. Yeah, it was a fantastic book. Readers, if you have it, um, treasure that thing. Make sure you reread it and appreciate it for what a great work it is and know that there probably could have been a really great follow up if, you know, calmer heads had prevailed. But c'est la vie. Yeah, definitely. Tricky business doing the Marvel and DC thing. Right. All right, Madman, what else you got? I'm sorry, not Madman. Let's go back to Thomas. All right, so first off, let me give you a little background um, on this that we're going to be talking about here. This is kind of an unofficial crossover, much um, much like some of the others out there. And it takes place during the Rutland Halloween Parade. And for those of you that don't know, this is an annual event held on or around Halloween in the city of Rutland, Vermont. It's been going on since 1960. The parade has a strong superhero theme and has been the setting for a lot of comic book um, adventures in both DC and the Marvel Universe, and some that were not. I know I, I see that you know Warp Graphics had a comic that set place here as well as Gold Key. This took place back in 1972, and it was during the. It, it featured writers Len Wein, Jerry Conway, and Steve Englehart, and they created an unofficial crossover spanning titles in DC and Marvel Universe. Each comic featured those people in it, as well as Len Wein's first wife. And it began in Amazing Adventures number 16, continued in Justice League of America 103, and concluded in Thor 207. Um, Engelhardt explained a little bit about it in 2010. He he says, and I quote, It certainly seemed like a radical concept, and we knew we had to be subtle. And each story had to stand on its own, but we really worked it out. It's really worthwhile to read these stories back to back to back. It didn't matter to us that one was at DC and two were at Marvel. I think... It was us being creative, thinking what would be really cool to do. And that piggybacks on what you were saying about being unheard of at the time with Chris Claremont talking, you know, to another company about what's going to be going on with, you know, his comics in, in later months. You know, obviously they had to communicate with each other, you know, to, to keep the stories connecting. Right. So that's something you wouldn't have seen at that time or even now. Um I'm not sure what the, you know, exactly, you know, this is something I was doing when I was doing research for the show, so I'm not 100% sure what the, you know, the actual story is here with this, you know, that, that connects. So you don't have, you don't have the actual arc title of the arc. No, I don't. Well, but you suck. Yeah, How I, am I going to read this now? I, well, you're going to do the same thing I'm going to do, and you're going to go out and look out for these individual comics. No, I'm not. Because I'm going to do it, right? Everything else, that's right, you're going to find it, because everything else takes backseat to Patsy Walker 95. 
Well, that's true. Drink. <laughs> that's true. It does. This, does. does this take backseat to Patsy Walker 95? Of course it does. Everything takes backseat to Patsy Walker 95. But, you know, come wow. Awesome Con this year, these are going to be books that I'm going to be looking for because I, I need to see what this is all about. This, you know, has me intrigued. All right. So I'm going to institute a new game because it just popped right in there for those of us here and listening at home. Every time you hear mention of Patsy Walker 95, you have to drink. 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 There we go. Glug. Obviously, you know, again, nothing is, you know, better than Patsy Walker 95. Drink, but stop. This. <laughs> stop doing that. This would be a number two on my list to get these three books because I really would love to see how these come together. And what were those again? Uh, it starts out in Amazing Adventures number 16, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the That's one that a gave us title. the uh, Marvel title, which is the one that gave us the furry beast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, follows to Justice League of America number 103 and then concludes in Thor number 207. 103. Can you do me a favor? Can you pull up a cover of 103? I want to say I have that book. Yeah, sure. Hold on a second here. What is anyway, it? Justice League number 103. Hopefully next week I'll be joining you in the Laptop on the Table Club. <laughs> well, we can't all have one. Yeah, this is kind of our thing, Randy. You stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on here. Thomas is quicker. Quicker on the draw. Is it just tell me? Is there a Royal Flush Gang cover? No, no, it doesn't look that way. All right, then never mind. I I know that I do have that comic. Okay. Book. Oh wow. Okay. What's, what's the What's the cover? I. It's like a a tomb, a grave. Yeah. Oh it's my God! Grave. I think I do yeah, have this cover. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna look it up when I get home. Anyway, as Thomas is fudging around on his laptop, Madman, what's your next book? Yes, I'm positive I have that book. Yeah, I think I got it too. Um, I got this, uh, it's a trade paperback. It's DC Marvel cro Crossover Classics 2. And, um... Oh, let me see that. I think I have that too, actually. <laughs> Hold on, I'm talking about it right now. I'll give it to you here in a second. Uh, the first one is a story with the Azrael Batman and Punisher. Batman and Punisher. Yes. And, um, you might as well just go ahead and skip anything with Azrael Batman. Pretty much. Uh, but the second one is the Punisher Batman crossover where it's, uh, Chuck Dixon, the, my beloved Chuck Dixon. And uh, John Romita Jr. and Jansen. I don't know his name. Um, but it's excellent. The art is it's good. It's good for its purposes. But the story is just amazing how seedy and underworld it is. I mean, it's it's a pretty dark, pretty dark tale with Batman and Punisher. And uh, I just love that Batman... It was like he wants to put this guy away. I want to put Punisher away. It was like straight up. It's he's so determined to do this. But you do get a page like this, a double splash page, a Punisher punching Batman in the face. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty cool. Yes. But then but you know, he let Punisher do it because um He's uh, Batman. Yeah, Batman saved the Joker from being killed by the Punisher. So I also I think wanna... that's the excellent most excellent story. In I also book. want to say that came out in an era just before we got to the whole DC versus Marvel, which then led into the Amalgam universe because they were doing a couple of the Batman Punisher specials. And then I think once that worked out and they didn't hate each other, they said, okay, let's do the fight everybody's been wanting, which gave us DC versus Marvel. Yeah. Which, as a result, gave us the Amalgam universe, and some of those were really good, like The Adventures of Dark Claw. 
which was the, the right. Wolverine Batman yeah. mesh. And yeah, it looks like from what I'm seeing here, Batman Punisher Lake of Fire and Punisher Batman Deadly Knights came out in 1994, same year as they did the uh, the Spawn crossovers. Yes. So if that's the ones that are in that book, then yeah, this came out several years before the Amalgam. Right. Yeah. The Amalgam. And crossovers. like I said, I believe that was a test in the waters to see, okay, can we actually do this and and not dig up you know old skeletons from when we screwed the pooch on a Justice League Avengers right. tie-in. Speaking of screwing the pooch, there's another story in here with Wow! Silver, yeah. <laughs> there's another story in here with Silver Surfer and Superman. Oh, yes. Crossover, and it's a Mitzelplik kind of story, and I hated it. And it looks like that's got the Impossible Man in yeah, it as Impossible well. Yeah, Impossible Man as well. Nice. This is probably one that I'd love. You would love it. My favorite character. I hate Impossible it. Man. Yeah. But last but not least in this book is the uh, <laughs> Batman and Captain America crossover. It takes place in a... That's uh, a good one. Yeah, it takes place in the uh, like the Second World War. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part in this book is what the Joker does when he finds out he's been working with the Red Skull. And, uh, yeah, it was like, oh yeah, I, I yeah, lo- I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah, it's like I love it. You know, he's got it, his loyalties. He's got doesn't his loyalties. he make a comment like, "I may be insane, but I'm a, but yeah, I'm, an, a I'm, but I'm an American." <laughs> yeah, this I'm, is John uh, is signed by John Byron. Byron. Burn. 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 Yeah. It's got a little certificate and stuff. Oh, too. nice! That's nice. one of those dynamic forces books, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, but I believe one of the, the lines along the way is, "I may be a psychopath, but I'm an American, American psychopath." psychopath. Yeah. Guess, guess, say it. That's pretty great. Right All right, there. so now I got one, and I, I, I heard you guys talking about this earlier, so I'm going to have to get to it before you get no, to no, it. No, no, don't. Archie meets the Punisher. No. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes. The irony behind this book is when it was first announced. Everybody was like, ha, 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 you know, laughing, tongue-in-cheek, good joke. And then the book actually came out. <laughs> and everybody went, what, really? You, you actually made this book? Well, here's the funny April thing. Fools. It was actually a good story. <laughs> so the whole, the whole premise of it is I guess there's a smuggler named Red, um, and he goes on the run after he's made a deal to turn evidence to the United States government. Well, Red happens to look just like Archie Andrews. So he, escapes, of course he does. so he escapes to Riverdale, which is where Frank Castle goes looking for him. And, of course, guess what happens? Red He's, takes um, Hiram Lodge and Veronica hostage, and Punisher sees Archie on the street with Jughead and goes, there's my man, and he gets the wrong guy. <laughs> oh, awesome. This is what I've known about for years, and it's one I, I haven't gotten. And it just, yeah, it intrigues me. Archie versus the Punisher, or Punisher Archie. Crossover, yeah. The thing that's just really funny is it's got that whole Archie art style with Frank Castle being drawn as in that Archie style. Really? With the whole like the little squiggle knee things and like the elbows. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look it up right now. Yeah. Yes, look it up. It's like I said. I don't think I have it anymore. It was actually pretty good. Uh, It was one of those pleasant surprises where you're reading it, going, "What the hell did I buy this for?" And then midway through, you're laughing, going, "Okay, this is not bad." (laughs) Yeah, it's one I definitely need to check out. <laughs> oh, you done found a cover, didn't you? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great cover. <laughs> okay, I know. I want to read it. I know what I'm getting. I want to read I know it. what I'm getting mad at for Christmas. Um, but the best part of this, uh, and I don't know who this is, but I guess Punisher has almost like his version of Skeets called Microchip in this book. Mm. At the end of it, uh, Microchip is telling Punisher that their next stop is Gotham City. <laughs> And let's see, this came out in 
94. So this yes. would have came out. This may have came out before that Punisher Batman right. uh, story predated. that we were talking. Yeah, it may have oh predated it. Oh my God, it. yes, it predates it Batman predates Punisher. It. So, <laughs> it must been, so it must have been something that they knew about at, they, at the time. They must have already known they were doing it, yes. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it looks like you know it also met with a you know a bunch of some some future ones too. It looks like there's Archie meets Kiss, Archie meets right. Glee, Archie versus Sharknado. What? No, <laughs> yeah, in 2015, I guess that's the thing we didn't want and we didn't yeah, ask for. Nobody, but yeah, yeah. Um, and Alien, Archie versus Predator in 2015. Yes, I remember Archie versus Predator. That wow. Okay, I you know I love Archie. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> All right, that's it. The, I'm putting on the books for 2019, the Archie special. What? No. <laughs> Don't do that. They, they haven't come in yet, but I have an, an order for Archie meets Batman 66, so I'm looking forward oh, to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have I have them on order for the first four issues. I'm not sure how big it is, but I, I saw that, and I was like, yes, By I need the way, to read this. I noticed in the solicitations that Jughead the Hunger number 12 is coming out soon, which tells me the first trade is going to hit shortly behind that. So... And this is about this is about zombie Jughead. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's the Jug. Well, I think he's the werewolf in this one. Because remember, in Afterlife with Archie, he's the zombie. Mm. But I'm still waiting for Afterlife with Archie Volume Two. I'm getting a little ticked that that hasn't come out yet. I might have to just go buy the individual issues. Thomas, what do you got? Wait, wait, wait. Remember wait, when Archie was on The Simpsons? Do you remember that one? Sim- uh, the Simpsons where? Um... No, you said you was bringing that up. Yeah, I got to bring it up because okay. it's like one of the funniest things I ever saw in The Simpsons, which was like, uh, uh, it, it, the plot was, was like Bart was with Joe Mantegna or something like that. And then uh, they drive past their house and then they like they throw him on the lawn as the limo drives by. They throw Bart on the ground. And uh, Bart, as he's getting up, then Archie's jalopy comes up with a gang in it. And then, boom, throws Homer on the ground. And uh, Moose is in the back and he goes, duh, stay out of Riverdale. <laughs> and they drove off. <laughs> and I was just like, I want to read that comic book. But there's no reading. You told the whole story. It's like Homer ended up in Riverdale. Hilarity ensued. And here's the end of that story. And I thought it was so brilliant. Yeah, later on, if I remember, you see Homer reading Com- Ar- Archie, Archie Com- comics going, stupid right, yeah, Riverdale. He's so bitter. He's yeah. so mad at them. <laughs> All right, so your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to find that YouTube and put it on our Facebook. I put it on. There's a link. Oh, yeah. did you? I don't. Oh, oh you, you know you what? Go. I'll do it right now. Yes, I actually didn't get to watch the link. My bad. While your face is talking. While my I'll face is talking. I'll do it while your face talks. Um, there you go. Thomas, what do you got, Thomas? I know so, you have something, Thomas. I do have something. So we went with us with with Batman with Spawn Batman earlier. So we'll, now this will go with with Batman Spawn War Devil, the other one that came out that was produced by uh, mostly by Image Comics back in the day in 1994. Um, you know, the main thing about these, this one was was pretty bad. First off, it was it was not good. It was the the worst one of the two, and you know it looks like it was the saga of Virginia Dare, Dare and Roanoke being retold. It you know. Pud, but let, <laughs> what? But it was it was it was a pud. But you know, I, I think one of these things that these were important as far as the the comic books crossovers between DC and Image Comics because you know of the way Image Comics started and the way they left Marvel and they said you know screw the establishment we're going to do our own thing. You know, so the fact that DC would come in and say okay, well we'll we'll cross over with you. I think that's a pretty pretty significant thing. You know, maybe not an all-star number three significant thing, but you know, still pretty significant in its own right. Even if the the comic itself wasn't very good, you know, it showed that DC was still willing to work with someone else despite you know their stance on on the way right. on the way comics were done. So I thought that was you know that that is pretty important for that purpose. Not to mention the two things that have now come full circle: Jim Lee, 
who was one of the guys who left Marvel because F the Establishment informed Image, mm-hmm. is now the publisher for DC. For DC, and Image is now distributed by DC. Oh, really? I did not know yes, that. Yes, DC has been distributing Image for quite a while now. Oh, wow! I did not know that. Which is part of how I think they got Jim Lee, also. So yeah, yeah. So so that's good. But yeah, you know, like I said, even though this was not one of my one of the best comics I ever point out, I remember being very excited for this and then being really disappointed. You know, it's still. You know, a pretty important book, I think, in the in the overall scheme of things that you know the two of them work together. And and you know what? It's it's funny, and I don't know if Madman has it in his pile, but a couple of the really good crossovers that I totally left off my list, and I haven't heard either of you guys mention it, are both the Batman Predator and Batman Aliens. I never read those, but you know, I remember they were being pretty hot back in the day when I was with collecting. Oh man, yeah, I forgot about Batman versus Predator. Yeah, and that would be a pretty good book. It was a pretty good book. Yeah, well, I think there are number two. It's got that classic bit in in the Batman Predator where after he's been fighting all through Gotham and, and trying to get it out of there, where the Predator does the same thing, just like in the second movie. He gives Batman like an ancient revolver from the Old West and just says understand rules. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, okay, that is really freaking cool. It was. that <laughs> The end of that book is really good. And I love the realism at the very beginning of the book where uh, Batman just thinks he's he's chasing a, a slasher. Right, right. You know? And then all of a sudden he's in that junkyard and he runs into the Predator. And the Predator nearly kills him. <laughs> you know? And then the other, like the next, like uh, half of the book, you know, is him getting better and trying to think of a way to defeat this thing. You know, and tell yeah, because everyone's like, where's Batman and stuff like that? And he's like, Batman didn't show up because he had his ass handed to him by an alien predator, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, and I mean, even being Batman, it's going to be hard to take down Exactly. And I think that that's realistic. That, and that reminds me, there's a really great um, video short out there. There was a, a period there, I guess, late 90s, early 2000s, where all these filmmaker students in, in Hollywood making um, superhero short for movies that didn't actually exist. Right, right. One's called Batman Dead End. And it's basically Batman fighting the Predator, and but it has a really twist ending on it where you just kind of like, oh damn! I'm gonna have to find it on YouTube and put it on our long on our uh, Facebook page, which is Lost in a Long Box, guys. Just Lost in a Long Box. Just on search Facebook. for it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, check us out on Facebook. on the FB. Yep, uh, Madman, what you got there? Uh, save the best for last. JLA Adventures. Well, Kurt Busiek. How do you say his name? Busiek. How do you say Gyro? Hero. Uh, and uh, George Perez. George Perez. Legend. The legendary George Perez. One yeah. of the nicest men you will ever meet in comics, too. Yeah, this crossover would be considered the granddaddy Ooh, look, of them got all. got food. <laughs> this, I, I think this one we really kind of consider to be the granddaddy yeah, of Yeah, we were talking right before the show, and it's like, this is just the best crossover ever, the JLA and the Avengers. I would... I, well, yes, I would have to give you that. That is a fan... There are so many great moments in, in that book. Oh, yeah. Um... I want to start with one of my uh, favoriteest things is um, how Superman and Captain America were kind of button heads. Oh, yes. And <laughs> because of that, it almost became like a commentary, like each uh, heroes, you know, heroes from the DC universe and heroes from the Marvel universe were experiencing each other's worlds. And drawing opinions right. about their worlds from those experiences. Like the first time Flash comes into the uh, Marvel world, you know, he sees a bunch of people in a small little town chasing a mutant. And he's just 
I've never seen this before. This is weird, you know? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a part in there where they talk about the difference in, in them, how the DC universes uh, look at their heroes as opposed to yeah. the Marvel ones. The way the Marvel ones did. Well, yes. how, how the DC universe, the, the common person, loves their heroes. Yes. Where in the Marvel universe, they're afraid of them. Exactly. Right. And in, and then that made Captain America look at Superman and consider him as like, you're a tyrant. You know, you're forcing these people to worship you, you know, by offering your protection. And that's the way Captain America looked at the Superman in their world. And Superman saw their crime and their hatred and their race and the racism, you know, in their world and said, you know, you guys can't keep this under control. You suck at your job, you know. And I think it's, it's an interesting commentary that the writers did to, you know, critique each other in a kind of way that is interesting and it's kind of it's a little bit meta, in the sense that right. you know. Yeah, I think it's a lot more you know more even now in, in this day and age as far as the way they go. But you know, to to an extent, I mean, the superheroes are still more widely accepted in DC than what they are yes. in Marvel. Um, you know, because people in Marvel still hate their mutants. Yeah, you know, absolutely and, hate them. Because I mean, it's a plot device. I mean, right? The, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's meant to represent. Yeah. You know, something without real, yeah, real, 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 real world problems yeah. without actually coming right out and, and talking about it. Well, I also love, and I believe, I have to go back and reread it. I, I read it a couple years ago, but you know how things just yeah. go in and out. I want to say there's a great part where both the Avengers and the Justice League are forming their plan attacks. And you got Captain America and Batman both strategizing on what they need to do. And both teams are like, well, well who do we follow? <laughs> yeah. The selection, selecting the leader was really good. And, and uh, because... I, I reread this all again today because it's so damn good. And it's, it's a great yeah. story, yeah. Um, as, uh, Superman's like, he stood up and he's like, okay, well, we're going to need somebody who's going to lead this thing it's a, this, as a concerted effort. Um, and, I, and Superman says, I think it should be you, Captain America. And then Captain America, being Captain America, says, well, you know this what's been going on has been affecting us and affecting our, you know, our, our judgment. Yeah, our judgment. So I don't know if I should be the, the person to do it. And then... Uh, you get Batman saying, he's like, I agree. He's like, yeah, this is the guy to do it. Right. Well, because Captain America, I mean, that's the yeah, obvious right. choice. I mean, who else should it be? Right. Yeah. Well, and plus Don't get me wrong. I love me some Superman and Batman. But if you have Captain America labeled to lead you into a major battle, exactly. you follow Captain, Captain America. America. Exactly. Well, plus, one of the things that's just so well done in this is the way you see the characters from the Avengers and the Justice League. And I'm not talking about the, the, the power hitters. I'm talking about the lower tier, like Flash or like the Wasp. How you see them start identifying with members who aren't on their team yes. from the other worlds. Yes. And you see relationships and friendships bonding there. Exactly. And you're just like, like I Hawk really want Hawkeye this and Green Arrow. I really want this world to stay. And like Hawkeye that, and Green Arrow. And I think there's that in the third issue where the, the worlds are merged. And you're like, yeah. and you're almost like, if only they if, found if a way. If one of them would stay. Right. If, if only one they of them found would a stick. way to keep this world together and DT Marvel just become one company, yeah, this where, would be such a freaking awesome universe Where to all play my in. favorite heroes right. are sitting there grilling burgers at a luau, you know. And, you know, and I, I like how some of the things, some of the subtle things, too, like how um, the Flash is not as fast in the Marvel universe because the lack of right. the speed, right. force, no like, speed force. And how Quicksilver is faster that was because of the food, speed force. Yeah, and the, uh, um, the chaos magic. Right, uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Yes, 
Scholar Witch uh, switched worlds, and then she started tapping into the chaos magic. Got stronger, yes. But, I mean, started messing with her, you know, and I uh, just thought that was mm-hmm. so cool. Well, because remember, here now see, <laughs> here's where this ties in. Because we know for a fact in the DC universe that chaos magic is there. Because Dr. Fate yep. and Constantine for years have preached, like, you know, don't go messing with these things, love. You're going to bring death and destruction down upon you. Whereas in the Marvel universe, Doctor Strange has come out long ago before this and told the Avengers and everybody else... There is no such thing as chaos magic. Right. One is a mutant. She, you know, affects probability and the molecular, but she's always believed to be magic. He goes, there's no such thing. Until she gets to the DC universe, I'm like, oh, yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and an- another thing I like, I like how, you know, I th- believe it was the last issue where they were kind of going back and forth through time and you were seeing the various versions yes. of them and everything yeah. like that. When, like when they had both. You know, Captain Marvels. They had Captain Marvel oh, yeah, and Captain yeah. Marvel, and someone right. says up to they both look go, out, Captain Marvel, and they both Where? go, "Thanks, thanks." <laughs> yeah, you get to see them <laughs> both. Both of them say that. That was fantastic. There are a lot of good jokes in there. Yeah, a lot of good jokes. In but there. now, wait a minute. Isn't the Captain Marvel in this actually the Monica uh, Rambo chick? Duh. In this particular panel, it was Marvel. Yeah, it okay. Was Mar-Vell. Um, but I'm sure we, I'm sure we saw her at some point. Well, right. they were, they were so many characters. Various... Well, remember. George Perez has said time and time and again, I love to draw multiple characters. He goes, the bigger the fight scene, the happier I am, basically. Oh, yeah. And it's a, if well, I that can explains throw, the covers. If I can throw a character in there, it's getting thrown in there type of deal. That explains it, the first three covers. Right. And, <laughs> let, and you know, since we are talking about the covers, let's talk about how awesome the cover the last to one, issue yeah. four is. Yes, the best. That that is one of the Super, best. Superman center with his tattered costume, holding Cap America's shield in the left hand and Thor's hammer in the right, and you're just like, oh, someone's going to get an ass. Oh, you him. just know when you look at that, <laughs> yeah. that this is going. Even to if be you great. didn't buy the last three issues, you bought that one, right? right because you know that's going to <laughs> be, be good. great. Yeah. Because what else can it be? Exactly. Yeah. So, and you know, it, it's one of those things too. You know, this came out in sept- from September two thousand three to March of two thousand four, and it's to date the last crossover between those two companies. Right. Right. Which is insane. You know, especially when you think as well as this di- did that. You know, they would have done something. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. fourteen years. I just I, I I hope that you know with after the Infinity Gauntlet they can start like merging their properties. I would in the films. You I would really that, yeah. you would really need to get Warner Brothers and MCU to set aside your difference and say, look, we can make massive amounts of money if we combine our properties. Exactly. But well, I remember what was really great about this series too, is they totally split down the middle. So like issue one came out by DC, and all the profits went to DC. Issue two was produced and put out by Marvel. And all the profits went to Marvel. Yeah. And so they did a four-issue series, and like, you put out one and three, we'll put out two and four. and Because they just refused to merge their properties. Right. When you, all you got to do is look back to the very first joining of the Justice Society of America. Right. That's a merger of two companies, you know, and made them stronger and gave birth to I w- There was a time, and I, and I really hate saying this, back when Marvel was bankrupt. Remember that whole yeah. dark period in the oh, Marvel? Yeah. When they were, and I was like, come on, Warner Brothers, please buy Marvel. Please buy all Marvel. Right. <laughs> oh, that would have been that would have been great. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, when, when you have them all under one, if you had them all under one roof, you'd have to figure out, okay, so what am I going to do now? Am I going to keep them separate? Am I going to join them? I am going to combine you know, them. Because there's so many characters. Right. And I mean, then, you well, know, uh, well, then you also had the problem of, okay, who are we keeping and who's going to get pushed off the limbo like uh, i don't, I I mean, don't think it needs to come to that but i mean there'd be certain people that you'd have to keep you know, like you'd have to keep superman you'd have to keep batman right. you'd have to keep but, spider-man but okay but well yeah obviously the big ones but do you keep moon knight when you got a batman of course not 
do you keep? Um, yeah, I would cut. I would cut Moon Knight. Oh, even Moon Knight if they would don't. be chopped from, right away. All right, all right. So from X Men and the Shi'ar Empire, do you keep um, Gladiator when you have Superman? Yes. See, yeah. Yes, you do. What? No, Absolutely. he's just Some, a Superman ripoff. Yes, he is. So you make them fight. <laughs> yes, yeah, someone to fight Superman. Right. right. You make them fight. He's every bit as powerful as, as Superman, but he doesn't have that yeah. kryptonite weakness. Let let him go toe to toe. Let him let Superman take and, the. And I don't even want to get into what happens when you have both Hellcat and Patsy Walker drink meet Catwoman. There you go. But but going back <laughs> or to Hellcat Superman, and uh, Tigra. Superman Gladiator, you know, Superman has has basically stated that you know he takes, you know, he he hits people with kid gloves because let's face it, the man could kill someone with a punch. You he, li- know, he lives in a paper universe. Right. There there's no way that's not going to happen. <laughs> like that. That's not going to happen against Gladiator. Right. So, you know, let the man off his leash and let it go. Yeah, you keep him for that purpose alone if nothing else. To see what soups can really do. I don't know. I'd like to see uh, maybe, I don't know, a, a Wildcat versus Moon Knight fight. I'd watch. I'd, I'd read that. Mm. I, could, yeah, I don't know. It's just I love Wildcat. Yeah, he he's great in yeah. JSA. I, yeah. I, I, I you know, <laughs> as long as it had him, you know, beating also, Moon Knight down, I'd probably be okay with it. But that's why I mean I love Mr. Terrific too. I'd love to see like Mr. I would Terrific. Love, yeah, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Terrific. What is he? The you third know, smartest dude, man in the yeah. world. Mr. Yeah. Terrific in the Marvel universe. That would be. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I got two more crossovers that I have to have to mention because I don't know how many of our listeners out there passed over these books. Last year, might have been two years ago now, I think, DC started doing this wacky thing where they said, um, you know what, let's do some crossover books with the Looney Tunes. And I'm sure a lot of people just went, yeah? <laughs> what? Yeah, I, what? I, I passed on a great many of them, but the two of them that were just amazing was Wonder Woman, Tasmanian Devil. Yes, you heard that right. Wonder Woman and Tasmanian Devil. And, wait for it, Batman and Elmer Fudd. And, and I got to tell you, if you haven't read these things, you need to go get them. They are freaking amazing. I can, I'll can i give you a brief story on them because I don't want to ruin them for you. Cause yeah, because I'm going to borrow them. Because I know, no I know spoilers, Batman's going to read them. Um, Batman and Elmer Fudd is basically... Elmer Fudd was in love with Silver St. Cloud and was convinced that Bruce Wayne had killed her. Mm. So he's hunting Bruce Wayne. Be very, and then, very quiet. Be very, very quiet. Um, it's rabbit season. Uh, rabbit uh, 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 and then the, maybe bat season. And then the Wonder Woman Tasmanian Devil is so freaking awesome because they have Tasmanian Devil be one of the creatures in the labyrinth with the Minotaur. Oh. And I thought, that is freaking awesome. That's a great touch. Um, all right, Madman, you can take your fingers out your ears. Okay, thank you. Uh, but what I really love about the Batman, Homer <laughs> Fudd, no, 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 I'm not going to ruin anything. Okay, all right, plug is, my ears again. Is the fact that they kept Elmer Fudd's speech in it, and the actual title of the book is Poi for Me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, I thank you for it. bringing those comic books. I can't wait to and read the, them. And the whole dialogue for Elmer Fudd has got that whole lisp thing oh, in it. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. Along these lines, I need to track down the uh, the Deathstroke Yogi Bear one because that really yeah, intrigues I'd love to read me. That, one. that really intrigues me. Deathstroke you need to borrow any of these? You guys read these? Um, I have that one. The Spawn and the Batman Spawn one. Yeah. Um, you can't borrow this one. This, this signed one. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to mess but with that. JLA Avengers. I, I have, have that as well. You have the trade paperback. I have the trade paperback with that. Yes, I actually have all four issues of the JLA Avengers. Right, good. I'll just, I'll just put these back in the long box over here. Yeah, I need to need to get out there and at least get me a copy of, of number four though for that sweet cover. And another one too. 
and we would be remiss if we don't mention this because it really is other than your all-star comics number three because that was technically combining two companies that became one this goes down i think as a lot of us comic collectors as the first actual collaboration that we can remember the classic superman versus the amazing spider-man yes which I believe, and I, I, I apologize, I, I haven't read this, but I believe that there's a special power that's bestowed upon either Spider-Man to bring him up to Superman's level, or Superman is brought down to Spider-Man's level. That's actually, book is really crazy expensive to get a hold of now. Yeah, 1976 is when it came out. Right. Spider-Man, well, the first one, looks like there was two. Uh, there was one in 1976, which was Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man. And then Marvel Treasury Edition 28, Superman and Spider-Man. That's a great one. Now, that one I did read, and because that combined the Parasite with Lex Luthor. Oh. Oh, no, Parasite with Doctor Doom. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great one. Ooh. Yeah, that's, that just sounds brutal right there. That's actually got a great one where uh, in uh, Doom's fortress in his little embassy there, the, he has a little nuclear reactor about to blow up. And Superman dies onto the floor saying that he's going to have to hold it together and tell Spider-Man to fix it. You know, the panel. And Spider-Man's like, what? What do you mean, fix it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd have, definitely have to check those out. Like you said, I'm sure that that first one is probably not going to come cheap. You know, and that was actually their second collaboration. We, you know, the first, of course, being The Wizard of Oz. We don't count that one because here's why. Those are not what, – what Thomas is referring to, the actual first time that Marvel and DC worked together is when Marvel and DC present The Wizard of Oz. Those are not characters they own. Correct. Those, <coughs> are they public domain at this point? They were – I believe they were owned by MGM by the time that yeah. came out. It says MGM is Marvelous Wizard of Oz, so I would imagine right. so based on that. But yeah, that, I don't count that one because technically the companies are working together. They're not crossing over their own characters. Yeah, I mean, Fair true. Enough. Fair yeah. enough. But, you know, it is co-published, so. I mean, unless Superman's coming down and splitting the smackdown on the witch. It officially counts. Right, you know, Superman's <laughs> coming, at, coming after the Wicked Witch of the West. But but wouldn't it be like Zatanna and uh, Doctor Fate and uh, Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange who would be, like, going oh, to Oz? That would be good, yeah. Yeah, Madman and I were talking about it, you know, earlier today. When we were talking about things we'd like to see happen. One one thing that I always thought that would be super cool, These and of course good. it will These never, yeah. never happen, is if Marvel and DC switched a character for like a year. It promised that to keep would, it canon. That would yeah. be awesome. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, canon something like end. something exactly. like Doctor Doctor Fate and you know Doctor Strange cast a spell at the same time, and it caused them to flip flop universes. So well, for one year, Doctor Strange is in the DC universe, and one year, Doctor Fate is in the Marvel. Well, universe. we would be really great about that. Doctor Fate gets the Eye of Agamotto, and it mm -hmm. doesn't respond to him. Right. It's just yeah. this amulet on his neck that doesn't do it. Right. Doesn't do it. Just it makes just me look there. And, and what you do is you have some, you know destroying an event coming that's about to wipe out the entire Marvel Universe and all of a sudden the, the eye opens up like, guess I'm going to have to handle this. And Faith's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> that would be great. Um, the other one would be a situation where it would be another Justice League uh, Avengers crossover where the Incredible Hulk becomes a Red Lantern. Oh, no. Yeah, no. right? Yeah. And it just would, got, it's going to take the combined forces of both of Earth's mightiest be, teams. Oh, that's such a bad scenario. I don't even want to think about what would happen right. there. You know, in, the, in the hands of the right creative team, that would just yeah. be amazing. There's any, if there's any comic book creators listening right now. Get on that. <laughs> right. Do it. I'll, yeah. I'll send a letter to Tom King. Yeah, um, send it so, to Tom King. There you go. So actually, I really enjoyed this episode. So much so that I think we're going to do it next week as well. But we're going to do something a little different. 
This week it was crossovers, obviously characters from other companies that were combined into um, books. For crossovers next week, let's do those properties that didn't start as comic books and were done as comics or comic books that were then crossed over into other mediums such as like movies or TV shows or what have you. And obviously we're going to avoid okay. we're going to avoid the Marvel movies, all, all right. right? They're they're off base, off limits. And what? DC movies, I guess. How about the DC shows? Let's avoid superhero movies and superhero shows because there are some comic book properties that have been made into TV shows or movies that were really good that I guarantee you a lot of our listeners don't know about. Right. You know, you're making this impossible. You give me all this stuff to read. I still haven't. I'm only like one book into Crisis on Infinite <laughs> Earths. You know, and the Titans are coming out with, they're putting the monitor in the show. And like, if I watch that and I haven't read Crisis on Infinite Earth, what am I supposed to do? Well, monitor is actually coming into the Arrowverse, but that's December 9th. So you have time. Well, well think about it. We, we may or may not do that next week, listeners. So until you hear what the actual subject is, don't, yeah, don't, don't make that canon. Yeah, don't listen to us tonight about next week. So anyway... Um, that's all the time we have. Again, you can find us on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Twitter at Lost in the Long B One and Lost in the Long Box at gmail.com. Visit our, our buddy um, Monty's um, art on the two websites I gave you there. And until next time, we're going to be down here wondering who would win in a match between Groot and Woody Woodpecker. Ooh. Because wow. why? We're lost in the long box. We yes, are we lost are. Lost in the long box. Good night, everyone.